Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I'm Gavin. Uh, and I'm Sean. And this is episode 27. 27, yeah, I know. Yeah. The numbers are fairly, fairly mounting up. That's right. So we've got quite a lot to get through in this particular episode. Should we start with the good news? Well, we'll start with the great news for us and good right. news for you, uh, our lovely listeners, because uh, it means that there'll be more, more podcasts to come mm-hmm. and we'll get to go to more stuff. Yes. Uh, so the news is... Thanks to our great sponsors, Lee and Paul, they are renewing for another year. Yep, God bless them. So it's quite good, because we've got to do a bit more planning this year, maybe try and get out to more events. Yep, that's certainly what we're, we're hoping to do, because mm-hmm. we're not going to the, the World Championships in Wuji in China during the summer, because that's just ludicrously expensive, and yeah. we use up all our holidays from work and so on, and yeah. make us deeply unpopular with <laughs> various family members, and we go, right, we're just off to China for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we'll not be doing that, but we will be looking to get out and about a few more things mm-hmm. next season, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, so uh, keep an eye out on that. We'll, we'll try and keep you all in the loop. Yep. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Who, you guys rock. They certainly do. Who, who top up our coffers and help us yep. buy bits and pieces of, mm-hmm. of kit and help us in our, our travels and with web hosting. And if you want to join them, and I'd really, really recommend it, just follow the link in the show notes. It's dead simple. Sign up. Commit to giving us yep. your devoted fencing podcast <laughs> broadcasters, yeah. independent journalists, independent yeah, social media citizen journalists. Is that not what they call? That's not what we're called now. Citizen journalists. Citizen journalists. Wow. Yeah, that means you're just an amateur. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I'm quite happy to be an amateur, but I would quite like it if uh, all the apparently thousands of people that listen to the podcast every time we release one um, chips in just a tiny yeah. little bit of money to uh, help us do what we do. I think on that note, it'd be nice just to sort of ask if uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, just to leave uh, some comments on uh, on iTunes and sort of uprate it, so that it's, it's just nice to hear from people. I think, and obviously, we'll we'll cover this again at the end, like we always do. But you know, you should drop us a line and speak to us. We're quite friendly. Yeah, I'm not always that friendly, to be fair. No, no, but I am. <laughs> you're you're cuddly Gav. Everyone, cuddly Gav. Yeah. Some fencing then. Yep. So, shall we start with a bit of Sabre World Cup action before we get to the, the first couple of Grand Prix mm-hmm. in the in the batch? So, first up, we've got Men's Sabre World Cup from Warsaw. All right, okay. A few early departures, and I'm absolutely delighted with this one because uh, what basically what I do when I'm looking for who's been knocked out, out early, um, as well as having a look at a look at the DE tableau, I also have a look at who's finished in sort of thirty third, thirty fourth, thirty fifth. Uh, and so on the sort of top few that get top few seeds that get knocked out each stage, uh, and on this occasion, uh, three of the four highest seeds to be eliminated in the last sixty-four were Kim, Kim, and Kim. <laughs> Which I just take a childish delight in saying. Yeah. Um, Kim cubed. Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, and Daryl Homer went out at that stage as well. Out in the last thirty-two, uh, Luca Curatelli, one of our early season superstars, Eli Dershowitz, went out there. Berry and Smelly, the two Italians, both going out at the 32 stage. And out in the 16, Shilagi, Owen and Stitt. So, oh, really? So, yeah. Our quarterfinals, we had Matthias Zabo of Germany against up, up against uh, Camille Abragamov of Russia, with Zabo emerging with a, a 15-11 win. Benedict Wagner, oh, also of Germany, mm-hmm. uh, bullied Apate of France, uh, 15-13. That was a good fight. I say really exciting. Cool stuff. Third quarterfinal, Ali Pactaman of Iran, putting out uh, world champion Andras Satmari, 15-11. All right. That's yeah, a good one, that reasonably one. Yeah, comfortable, yeah. He's actually coming up, though, I think. Uh, He's the, now the highest-ranked um, Iranian, mm-hmm. um, I think. Yeah, reasonably comfortably in the top 10 now. Is he? What yeah, happened to so the... 
Uh, Aberdeen. Aberdeen, yes. Yeah, sorry. I've, I've, I'm looking blind. at you blankly. Who, who are you talking about? Yeah. yeah uh, well, <laughs> okay. Let's stop that again. Pause. I'll, try and, I'll try and cover your ignorance here. Yeah. Uh, so, I can't guarantee you I'm going to edit out. Oh, okay. Uh, what's <laughs> happened to Aberdeen? Uh, he's slipped down the rankings a little bit. He's down to about 20th, I think, right, at okay. the moment. And our final quarter final, Gubon Gill of Korea, put at the top German, Max Hartung, 15-9. Right, okay. So our semi-final lineup, an old German affair, Sabo mm-hmm. against Wagner. The Germans are fairly industrial in the fencing, big strong guys, a lot of action in the middle of the piece, and that that's pretty much summed it up. You're you're not going to get out of the out from between the between the on guard lines very right. much with with these guys fencing each other. So Wagner eats at the top of the break. Zabo did try going back a, a, a couple of times in the, mm-hmm. in the sort of first period, managed to take the power, but then missed with the riposte. Yeah. So second period, a bit more precision from Zabo. So again, he, he actually managed to make the kind of reports that he missed earlier on. And that was probably actually what was decisive in that, mm-hmm. in that fight. Plus there was a couple of close calls that didn't go Wagner's way, which he was a bit unhappy about sort of towards the end of the fight. Yeah. So a combination of those, those two things meant that, uh, Zabo ran out as a, a 15-11 winner. All right. Okay. Second semi-final. I'm not seeing a massive amount of pack to man fencing and he's always looked kind of okay, but nothing very special. But he gave Gu a, a thoroughly hard time in the semi-final. Went up early, went four nothing up at the start, and, and Gu was kind of not quite sort of fully fully switched mm. on for the fight, kind of half asleep. But he did start to get get it going a bit, hit, hit with a few nice nice parry reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he got to the first break, uh, pack to man was only eight seven up, and this was all in the middle of the piece. Right. So you know if you, if you like your your saber flowing and you know going up and down the piece. Yeah, you're not going to get any of that with uh, with these guys. Pataman actually stretched the, his lead out with a with a couple of reposts to go 11 eight up. Then there was a bit of repost trading with neither fencer actually really been able to land an attack particularly well, uh, despite mm. despite them both being you know pretty determined to go to go forward most of the time. Yeah. That's usually where you would expect them to to score the hits. But a lot, a lot of really nice power reposts. I, I saw um, uh, I saw Pat Damon at Leipzig. When we were in Leipzig, yeah. I, I was standing, and he went out to, ooh, who was it again? One of the French Sibers, was it Anstett? I can't remember. Sure. I can't remember. Or, or was it the other one, Apathy? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Anstett, but anyway. And that was a great match, and it went 14 all, and then oh, it was right, a 15-14 okay. victory for the French guy. Just, yeah. just missing out. So it's a, it's a good one to look back on. Okay. So yeah, I mean, as I say, I'd not, not seen a huge amount, but uh, to man, you know, keeping his lead, he was 12-10 up. But Gu eventually gets the, the better of the repulse battle. So mm. it, was, it was a weird fight, not kind of what you, what I associate with those two fences in particular. Okay. Uh, was, was their, the quality of the repulsing, the, the defensive side of the, the game. Uh, so, so Gu, Gu going through 15-13 is what it set, you know, sets up our final with, uh, Gu against Zabo. And Gu kind of sets the tone, uh, straight away, a couple of big tacks right at the beginning, really to show Zabo that he's not going to have much joy. Going backwards and looking to mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. trying to to defend, and Gu goes into the break with a with a sort of fairily decent lead eight three up. Right, Zabo does pick up a couple uh, at the beginning of the second period, and then and then Gu gets a red card for a false start. Um, oh, right. when when he calls for a video review on a simultaneous action, <laughs> you know, so everything is on your on guard, ready fence. They both steps out of London, hate each other. Oh, Gu, Gu goes, oh no, no, that's all right. Calls for the video, referee goes off the video. Oh, you got a full start there. Have a red card. Oh, I guess the point is, he was absolutely livid. I mean, livid generally because he's been 
sort of done out of a hit that he thought was probably his yeah. in an unfortunate way and he's actually called for it as well so it's a bad one but um, that's kind of like your worst nightmare isn't it you make a video call thinking <laughs> yeah. you're in the wrong and, and then you're the one yes. that gets the penalty that's right oh it's a you know disaster um but you know it doesn't throw him too much and he, he sort of re-establishes control with a couple of reports Zabo manages to stay in touch though you know i mean pretty much the sheer sheer willpower he doesn't look like he's really got control of the fight at any time yeah. But, but battles away, but Gu takes the last three hits with an attack on preparation, a parry repost, and a big long attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a really strong finish to it, to end up with a 15-10 win. So, yeah. all the good stuff from Gu, all the stuff you enjoy, and all that speed yeah. and athleticism. Yeah, vintage stuff, and a thoroughly good win. In the teams, Green All-Stars win again. Uh, pretty comfortably, really. They put out Russia 45-24 in the semi-finals, and another good day for Iran. They beat Hungarians 45-37. Well, the Hungarians will not be happy about that. No, but I mean, Iran have got some pretty decent team form. Um, yeah, well, they so do. It shouldn't come as a, as a complete surprise. Yeah, but the Hungarians are really good at the moment. It's a strong team, certainly. Uh, Shilagi and uh, Satmari are, mm-hmm. are two genuine superstars and backed up with, I think it's Gimizi that's the, that's right. the, the third one. Mind usually. you, you've got, you've got Abedini and you've got Pakdamon, obviously. Yeah, and they've got a third one now who's can't, I can't remember. Yeah, he's also pretty strong as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a genuine, very credible team. Of the, mm-hmm. And they do work well as a team. Yeah. But, yeah, no match for the Koreans in the final with a, right. a comfortable 45-31 uh, win. Okay. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really thoroughly commanding performance from Korea in the semi-finals and finals. Their closest fight, actually, was with, in the last eight against France, where they just edged at 45-42. All right. Um, and Hungary beat Russia in a, a close one for the in third, fourth place playoff as well with a really? 45-43. So, so, good entertaining stuff uh, in the teams, but uh, ultimately more more Korean dominance. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. So yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a goodie. So next lot of saber action. The women this time, another World Cup in Athens, and our early departures here. Ariana Rigo having missed the last World Cup turns, but dives out in the last sixty-four. Uh, Cecilia Berder, and then three Italians: Vecchi, Crisio, and Glotta all went out in the thirty-two. Uh, they informed Gregoria out in the 16, and there was no Jana Egorian as well. She was she was not present for for this one. Mm, what's uh, going on there? I'm not sure why, but uh, world continues to to revolve even without her there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our quarterfinals: Lisa Pushtai of Hungary uh, beats Sofia Pozniakova of Russia with a, a nail biting 15-14. Manon Bruni of France beat Margozota Kozachuk of Poland, also another 15-14. Anna Martin of Hungary beat Charlotte Lembach 15-11. And Bianca Pascu of Romania beat world champion Olga Carline 15-13. All right. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a big surprise, I would say, at the quarterfinals. The others, yeah, Pushtai or Pozniakova, toss a coin on this occasion, Pushtai. Pushtai won. So that set up our semifinals as Pushtai against Bruni. Now, the point to mention, I mean, Manon Bruni's a, a well-established star in women's sabre. Uh, at least push time may be a relatively new name, but I think I've certainly mentioned it at least a couple of times before. Well, at least probably two, two or three times. She's Hungarian, yeah. yeah? She's Hungary, Hungarian, yeah. very young, 16. Yeah, that's right. She's so, tiny as well, if I remember correctly. She's actually grown, I think, since oh, right, the last yeah. 10 years. She started at the World, Junior World Championships last year. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's grown a bit, but she still has that kind of gangly teenager look about right. the way she moves sometimes. So in her semi-final against Manon Bruni, Bruni looked... Largely in control of things, but only just up at the first break, eight seven up at the break. Uh, it did feel a little bit like Pushtai was kind of, kind of hanging on, uh, and you know just about keeping in touch. 
But after the break, Pushtai scores seven unanswered hits in a row. Really? Yeah, to go 14-8 up. Much more prepared to move out the, the four-metre box, move out the middle of the piste, and showed some absolutely tremendous timing in, you know, in just running up the hits. Mm. And, I mean, considering that Man and Bruni is one of the sort of smartest, most tactically varied yeah, yeah. fencers, that's, I mean, that's really impressive stuff from, a, it's good as well from anybody, but particularly from a 16-year-old. Yeah, because we know that in Sabre, one of, the, one, of, uh, one of the problems, I'm not saying that Sabre's boring or anything, but one of the things you do tend to do is get bogged down in the middle we've already, you've already talked about yeah I think it happens tests happen a little bit more in the men's mm-hmm. um, there's, because of the slightly slower pace of the women's fencing it gives more opportunity to make things happen yeah. outside the middle of the piece mm-hmm. so uh, great stuff from from Pushtai and I say you know it's a kid <laughs> just a kid uh, so the second semi-final Bianca Pascu against Anna Marton uh, it was a bit of a seesaw fight with both fencers going on kind of runs of hit and the, the lead swapped back and forwards a few times. I mean, for all that, I've just defended women's sabre as being more entertaining and there was less in the way of simultaneous attacks. Actually, this wasn't a particularly good example of that. Um, Pascu in particular is uh, very keen to move forward at every opportunity and there were quite a lot of simultaneous actions in this one. But uh, Pascu eventually kind of took control of things with some nice parry reports to to finish off with a a reasonably comfortable 15-12 win. So our final, Pascu against Bushtai. Pushtai got it to, off to an absolute flyer, went 4 nothing up. And again, it was Pascu having to, to kind of claw things back to try and get herself yeah. into, into the fight. She didn't, she didn't look sort of on the case at all at the beginning. Both fences carded for false starts kind of before, before the break, uh, and that seemed to bother Pushtai more than it did An experience, Pascu. probably. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, she does have a little bit of form with this. I think it was the semi-final of the Junior Worlds last year. Um, she pretty much chucked away a fight that she should have won mm-hmm. because of been repeatedly carded for false starts and Pascu started to catch her more more and more on the preparation. Uh, so again, most, most action in the middle of the piste, but Bianca Pascu, I mean, we talked about this a little bit at Sabre and, and certainly John Southfield mentioned this when I interviewed him, you know, ages and ages ago now about rock, rock paper, scissors fencing. Yeah, yeah. And Pascu's a brilliant exponent of that. You might say it's entirely a game of chance, but it really isn't. You, you can guess or anticipate what your opponent's going to do mm-hmm. and Pascu does that really well. Uh, and in the end, yeah, a good and entertaining mm-hmm. uh, 15-11 win. Yeah, um, you talk about this sort of rock, paper, scissors thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the ability to do to make choices on that kind of game, uh, preparation might be key? So yeah, heavy, I mean, heavily scouting your opponent and going, right, this is what they're going to do, therefore I will do this. It's a plan going To some degree, in. and I think it's observation during the fight as well. Mm. And there's, you know, most fences have little tells. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's... Uh, you know, how they, how they set certain hits up. Yeah, and Pascu's really, really good at that. And I think it was interesting that both fences are, are kind of clearly on the up. Mm. Pushtai's very young. Uh, Bianca Pascu's been around the world circuit for quite a long time. She's, I think, 28 or 29 mm. now. And she, what, she won her first senior medal last year at, um, World Cup at Orleans, so early season. Yes. She then took a bronze at the Moscow Grand Prix towards the end of the season. And, um, both Pushtai and Pascu won bronze in the in the senior Europeans. Mm-hmm. And then finally Pascu getting the getting the win here. Uh, it's a maiden victory and all all these medals happening in the last eighteen months before that. She toured the world circuit for years and years mm-hmm. and and not won anything, not not medaled anything. Yeah. So it shows persevere. So it, it means that Pascu's now up to fifth in the world rankings. Yeah. Um, so that's good. That's good. It, it certainly is. So in the teams, despite you know, a relatively ordinary day in the individual for for the Italians. The 
put it at the USA, 45-39 in the semi-finals. Korea beat France, 45-43 in the other semi. And Italy uh, beat Korea pretty comfortably, 45-31 in the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, with France taking the third. So that was the that was the teams. I would need to go back and check, but I'm pretty sure that, that means that Italy have won three of the four World Cups. Really? In women's sabre this year. They're by far the most consistent team anyway. I think I've said it before that I keep expecting France to be the ones that will, yeah, yeah. That will dominate, and it doesn't quite happen. Well, they don't quite. They are we talked. We talked. I think we, we, talk, we get a bit sort of repetitive on this one, but I think for whatever reason they don't quite fire well as a team. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, Italy, Italy are the ones that are doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could see the same thing about uh, you know that in other weapons as well. You get I mean, the USA men's foilers. They've had an up and down kind of season as individuals, yeah, but they're uh, rock solid as a team. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I totally got it in the teams at the yeah. moment. And Italy women's sabers in the same sort of boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, I mentioned Arigo very briefly at the start. It's yes. part of our regular Arigo watch. Arigo watch uh, yeah. in the women's saber. That competition was on the same same weekend as the Anaheim Foil Grand Prix. Right. I think, as far as I'm aware, anyway, that was the first time she'd had to make a choice between do I go to a saber competition or do I go to the foil one. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. So this time. Choose, choose to go to the Sabre one rather than the rather than the Foil Grand Prix. Didn't have a great weekend when it no. last 64. Do you think she's gone home thinking, should have gone to Anaheim? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, her place in the Italian Foil team is not in any doubt. Yeah. And she's still she's still only the fifth ranked Italian so it's a tactical in the women's play. Sabre ranking. So it's yeah. a tactical so play. This, this is where she needs, the, yeah. she needs the points more if she's going to make the Italian team at two mm-hmm. weapons. Well, let's face it, I still want her to make the, the team in, in both of them. Yeah, it would course. just be amazing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not it's not particularly wishing ill on the the other Italian women's no, surprise, but not uh, yeah, it would be an amazing achievement. It's something I think a lot of people are interested to see if it's actually possible. Yeah, it's, it looks possible. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, it's still a bit of season to go. Yeah, and actually, while we're and I'll talk about this later. Actually, I was going to say that when we're recording, the Seoul Grand Prix is just about on us, and the sort of first day has mm. actually completed. But I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that a little bit later. Okay, fair enough. So, well, more, more of me talking. But I think you've watched. Have you watched a bit of this as well? Did you watch some of the Grand Prix foil from uh, from Anaheim? I've not caught up with it yet. No. Ah, For those okay. of you who don't know, I have a small child, and she is sucking all of my time <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah, kids. in a pleasant way, you know. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, kids are. Kids are a nuisance, really, aren't they? They are. Take all your time, all your money. <laughs> what you get back? Vomit and uh, the other stuff. <laughs> ah, the joys. <laughs> well, start with the men's floor from Anaheim because it, okay. was, it was pretty good. Again, run, we'll run through our early departures. Rich Cruz, yeah, for a second competition in a row out in 64. Oof. Disappointing. Uh, Hive Korea out in 64. Oh, before you go on, who did Richard go out to? Oh, and now I can't remember. I think it might have been it might have been Carlos Yavador of Spain. Oh, really? Oh, he's a decent fencer, though. He's a decent fencer, but it wasn't particularly close. Oh. I think it was a a fifteen five. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I might have to go back and check that, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm pretty sure that that's who it was. In the thirty two, uh, Masialis, Zerbchenko, Avila, Sito, and Shikini, and out in the last sixteen. Two of the well, the, the two highest-ranked Italians, uh, Garozzo and Fukuni, both getting it in the last sixteen stage, which meant a few 
unfamiliar names in the last in the last eight. So we had uh, Nicholas Edward Choi of Hong Kong, mm-hmm. who put out Erwan Le Pichu. 15-4. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you were going to be a little surprised and disappointed there, but it was an absolute thumping. Okay. Yeah. I don't quite know how to take that, because uh, Erwan is our man, and hard to beat, let's put it that way, you know? Yeah, usually. Yeah. Uh, certainly, uh, I wouldn't have uh, put any money at all on that mm. on that happening at the start of the fight. But yeah, it was a, an absolute thumping. Um, second quarter final, Casara of Italy puts out Kalong Chung, also of Hong Kong, fifteen mm-hmm. twelve. That was a good scrap, actually. I quite enjoyed that. Casara just proving a bit too experienced and too wily for him mm-hmm. in the end. Risa Midden put out Timur Safin, uh, 15-8. A really comfortable win there against uh, two very strong fencers, both right up at the the top of the rankings, and young Italian Damiano Rossatelli put out uh, Alexei Cherimisinov, fifteen eleven. So not another win for Cherimisinov, but still another very strong result. So yeah. he is showing a, a sort of genuine renaissance, return to form. Yeah, yeah. still can't decide whether that's a, a good thing or not because he is so grumpy and a lot of his fencing is extremely ugly. But yeah, if you keep ah. keep turning up in the quarterfinals, not everybody can be smiley like us. <laughs> no, uh, that's that is true. Yeah, but Jeremy sort of play does take that a bit to an extreme. Even his profile picture that I saw, uh, I think it's on the FIU website. Is a, he doesn't look like he's having a great day. That's him trying to smile. I think is it? Oh, that's, right, okay. that's that's him doing his best to smile for the camera. Oh, oh well. Yeah, I know. But anyway, Rossitelli uh, knocks him out. So that meant in the in the semi-finals, we had two guys who were in senior semi-finals for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Choi. Uh, and Rossitelli both both making it to semi-final stages for the first time. Rossitelli's a kind of Italian superstar in waiting. He won the World Juniors a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's had some kind of encouraging results at senior level. But of course, it's it's pretty tough breaking into the into the, top into the Italian team. Yeah. yeah, but so this is this is maybe maybe just the result that he needs to sort of make make is that he, push. Is he not normally superseded by Nista? Nister he not- is at the moment, yeah. Nista's um, several years older, I'd say probably five or so years right, older. Right. Um, so Nista's always been the guy who's, who's our go-to guy if one of the Italians get injured. Mm-hmm. But this result will have, have pushed Rossitelli, Rossitelli a good way up the rankings. And if you can follow up with another couple of results this season, mm-hmm. you might be thinking, yeah, well... Yeah, will be keeping an eye on him then. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, talented fencer. Um, so, semi-final one. Casera against against Choi. Kassara pressing and largely dominating early in the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a bit of a lead, but Choi sort of scrapping to stay into it. Yeah. So Kassara 6-4 up. Choi decides that he needs to actually take the initiative a bit more and starts to attack a bit more and takes it back to, to 7-0 at the first break. But second period, Kassara really does, does take control of things um, hit with attacks and reposts and stop hits. So mm-hmm. it's uh, Choi, who's you know a good, good bit shorter than Casera, kind of rushes to try and yeah. take the initiative. Casera would uh, pick him off with a stop hit. Choi thinks, "Well, I better get him hand forward a little bit more so mm-hmm. he can get caught with that." Casera picks him off with a parry. Classic Casera. Yeah, it is exactly. Yeah. It's that sort of virtuous cycle of of, of fencing. <laughs> yeah. uh, from Casera's point of view. So yeah, smart, smart experience fencing from Casera mm-hmm. to take the win, fifteen uh, nine. So second semi-final, Imboden against Rossitelli, and Imboden always looked in charge of this, uh, looked very relaxed, totally in control, some lovely attacks, takes a, a 
comfortable lead, 9-4 up at the break. Stretches that out afterwards to go 13-4 up. Rossitelli comes back into it a little bit, gets to, gets it back to 13-8, but Emerden sees it out uh, pretty comfortably really with a nice attack. Uh, Rossitelli kind of struggled to get his attacks going simply because Emerden controlled the distance so well. Didn't, right. didn't really okay. let uh, Rossitelli impose his game at, mm. at any point and things. Takes us on to the final. Castor are clearly determined to put the pressure on Emberden early on. Um, yeah. It was right on guard, ready, fence, and Castor's away charging down the piste. And Emberden really wasn't, you know, handled it really well. Wasn't wasn't thrown by this kind of instant high intensity, highly pressurised style from from Kassara. Went six one up, hit Kassara with a post, mm-hmm. made it uh, made him fall short, took the attack up and hit with his own attacks. Beautiful timing, really, you know, lovely fencing. But Kassara is, uh, you know, he's a Tough old geezer. He's been here. He's been there before. He's done yeah. it before. So I mean, I, I forget how many he is, but it's a, a stupid number of World Cup and Grand Prix. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nearly thirty or something. Yeah. So he knows he knows what it takes, and that you know, even if it's not your day, keep keep battling away, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he does. Keeps pressing hard to try and you know give himself some sort of chance, but uh, really, Castro always looks in control. Stretches lead it a bit further. I mean, he's thirteen five up or something. He's struggling mm-hmm. a little bit. To get I mean, Emberton's still in the lead. Sorry, Emberton's still... Yep. still oh, did I say Kessler? You said Kessler, it's fine. Right, yeah. okay, no, no. I'm following along, it's fine. Thank goodness you're paying attention. Thank <laughs> goodness one of us is paying attention here, Gav. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, Emberton in control of things, 13-5 up, and struggled a little bit to get over the line. You know, Kessler goes on a, a bit of a run of hits to get it back to 13-10, but uh, Emberton finishes off with a, a beautiful parry repost, and you know, at times, Emberton looked just immense. He's a, he's a, when he's in form... His oh, fencing is it's amazing. Is, yeah. is a it's, it's beautiful fencing. You know, it's yeah. just, we talk about a lot of stuff being not being beautiful fencing, but yeah, Imogen going well is yeah, and he's left-handed, which is like a double plus for me. So yeah, um, so it's Casera. So exactly, yeah, <laughs> you're on a, yeah, you're on a, a no lose setup for um, yeah for that for that final. But yeah, thoroughly good win for Imogen. His first one actually since Cairo at the beginning of last season. Yeah, because we we've talked about it a couple of times that he. Felt that he's maybe looking a bit flat, but maybe this is him. Oh, it's a bit early to see, really, but him coming back up again. Yeah, certainly looked very good. We'll see how it continues in the season. Mm-hmm. It does does give him a good boost up the rankings that takes him up to the uh, third in the world rankings now. Good. So yeah, good stuff for him and a and a win at home as well. Mm-hmm. Always a uh, always a good thing. You know, get, yeah, you know, I bet you loved it. To... Did you give a speech? Do we know? Did anybody watch the medal? Did you watch the medal ceremony? I never stick around for the... No, neither do I. <laughs> for yeah. the medal ceremony. <laughs> uh, well, I know who's won now, and, you know, I'm delighted for them all. Yeah. I, you know, I don't need to see them yeah. standing in a box getting a medal. Yeah, no. And a nice little cup, actually, I think. I did see photos of the uh, sort of post, post-presentation. Yeah. So, on to the women's. So, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, no go at this one. Mm-hmm. Early departure was Alicia Volpe, out, out in the 64. So that's instantly your your top two Italians. One not there at all. One diving out early. Yeah. So Tibus will set in the thirty-two, Ooh. and then Ross Pubatri and Tripapina out in the sixteen. Mm-hmm. So our quarterfinals contained uh, yeah a few a few unfamiliar names. Ina Zerudzova, obviously our superstar at the moment, beat teammate Diana Yakovleva uh, very comfortably fifteen-four. Kiefer beat Eleanor Harvey of Canada fifteen-eight. And Sauer of Germany beat Julia Varshik of Poland, 15-7. And the nail-biter in this one was the last of the quarter-finals where 
uh, Leonie Ebert of Germany beats Camilla Mancini 15-14. Hmm. Uh, now, talked about Lisa Pushtai as a, an exciting young talent. Uh, Leonie Ebert's not much older, 18. Right, okay. Another another bright young thing, making, making it to late stages of a senior competition. But we'll get get to her, her semi-final match in just a moment. First up, we had probably the, the match-up that we were all looking forward to with Derek Lozova against against Lee Kiefer. Yeah. So, tell, tell me, tell me, tell me. Uh, well, remember the last time they fenced? Uh, semi-final. Lee lips. lost, did she not? Katowice, yes. Yes. Uh, lost quite badly. Yeah, it was a pounding, if I remember yeah, correctly. 15-4. Yeah. Uh, this time? Mm-hmm. Not nearly so much. This was a nail biter. Oh, right, um, okay. It really could have gone... I had to find the time to watch this then. Either way. Yeah, I would highly recommend mm-hmm. particularly watching... Well, particularly watching the semi-finals, and I'll explain why a little bit later. Derek Gozova started well, comfortably up, 6-1 up. Nikifor starts to work it out, you know, how to how to get out of the way of um, Derek Gozova's attack, making a fall short. Mm-hmm. Pick the timing up and, and launch your own attacks to bring it back to 6 all. Bit of trading of hits, ten all at the first break. Then there was a little kind of stall in the fight where you know it had been going on at a tremendous pace, lots of hits, lots of action, and then there was a kind of run off run of off targets about twelve all that probably went on for about mm. a minute or so. And I think you know somebody needs to play to score one hit at this point to, to take control of things. Yeah. And Derek Zova manages to to pin the keeper on her back line and hit her there. Back to the on guard lines, and then Derek Lozova immediately hits with another attack to go 14 12 up, and you think, oh, that's it. She's, yeah. you know, she's kind of broken the spell and is going to finish it off. Yeah. But instead, what you get is two two brilliant attacks from the keeper to level it at 14. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is why likely she is hit. a total scrapper. Yep. Yeah. And this this was much more like it after the, mm-hmm. after the last encounter between the two of them. But in the end, what you get is. Simultaneous attacks, pretty much. Keep probably taking an extra step, points a little out of place, and, and one light. And Derek uh, Lozova goes uh, through right. 15 14. But it was an absolutely brilliant fight to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you've not caught up with Anaheim yet, but I would, I would track that fight down because oh, it, was, it was tremendous. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just writing a note. Yes. <laughs> Things to watch. <laughs> Sean says, watch Anaheim. Yeah. So the second semi final, uh, another old German affair, Sauer against Ebert. I'm pretty sure, sure that for both of them, this is the first time they've made uh, semi-finals at a senior event. Yes. Certainly first time at a, a Grand Prix. Yeah. And uh, ne- neither of them are sort of typically, you know, what, what I would think of as German in style. They're not hugely physical. It's not all, it's not German power fencing. No. A lot of good movement, a lot of nice variation in their mm-hmm. footwork, trying to, trying to create openings by yeah, yeah. varying the rhythm and timing of their footwork. So a lot of that was... Reflected in how the early part of the fight went, a lot of movement, a lot of testing, testing mm-hmm. each other, and you would think they must be familiar with how how the other one fences. Ebert took the took the lead, uh, going nine six up. Sauer had to kind of battle away. She looked like she wasn't really quite controlling things. So there was a few kind of kind of scrappy hits that that got her back into it to level at twelve all. And the Sauer Sauer goes ahead, goes fourteen thirteen up. Ebert makes another nice attack to take it to 14 all. So, you know, you get another, mm. another final hit, you know, nail biter. Um, and the, and the final hit in this one was actually very similar to the, the final hit in the, the first semi final as well. Simultaneous actions, only one light and Sarah goes through. Maybe we'd have preferred, you know, the younger Ebert to win the fight. And she, she maybe, maybe nerves got a little bit the better of her from sort of, 
when Sarah turned it into more of a scrap. Yeah, I've seen Sarah before. I watched mm. her in so again. It's Leipzig that I'm thinking right, about because okay. she went further than expected in Leipzig. Right, and I remember seeing her seeing her there. And I think there was another World Cup that we watched afterwards. Where she yeah, did well, I've watched loads of them. So. Yeah, that's, well, I've watched quite a few now as well. I'm thinking well, I can't remember which one it was, but anyway. Yeah. So yeah, and and Sarah through through to the final. I'd love to say the final was an absolute thriller, and it was a culmination of a great day's fencing, two brilliant semi-finals. Mm-hmm. Agency stuff, uh, but I'm afraid the final was a a, a one-sided uh, route with you know Derek Lozova showing why she is world number one Olympic champion. Yeah. I think you're going to say oh, it was totally one-sided. Sarah just completely Sarah dominated. Just, yeah, just yeah, no, <laughs> rant, no, it wasn't. Um, yeah, all all over in one period, fifteenth. Uh, really? Yeah, it was it was quick, ruthless, mm-hmm. totally commanding performance, yeah. and um, it shows why she's. She is who she is. She is. She's the star that she is. Yeah. Still can't entirely warm to her, but her fencing is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Other thing I thought I would mention as well was good commentary for this as well. Oh, who's doing the commentary? Iris Zimmerman was the the kind of voice that I was most familiar with. She did some preliminary videos for this as well. They're on YouTube. Yeah. So kind of like... you know, this is our 16, these are the these are the fencers, this is the event, all that kind of stuff, talking right, okay. through it, what the expectations and the history of it. So they're on YouTube, uh, okay. uh, on the FIE channel. So. so she was pretty good and supported by two guys, uh, J.B. Long and Jeff Bukantz. So. Jeff Bukantz is a coach, an American coach. Okay. Uh, he used to be, I think, um, I might be wrong on this, I think he was head of their coaching for a while and, now, and then was a director of U.S., Fencing for a bit. Right, I might okay. be wrong. I'm not that into the. I don't know everybody in US fencing. Yeah. but the name is very, very familiar. But yeah, they, it was a, a a good three mm-hmm. three person commentary team there. I quite enjoyed it. Oh, good. Uh, some they had a few sound issues for for bits that mm. um, one of the guys and I couldn't actually work, work out which one was. I think it might have been Jeff was a bit quiet. To, I've seen that yeah. a few times at a couple of World Cups this year where the sound is really strangely quiet and I've never been able to. Yeah, like, it couldn't work out. But anyway, yeah. uh, Iris Zimmerman was the kind of lead voice in that, and she was thoroughly good. Well, actually, that was something else I was going to mention about good commentary, because we're, you know, we're usually quite quick to just like commentary that's terrible, mm-hmm. and to be fair, there's no shortage of that. Yeah. Um, you, you recommended that I go and watch Barcelona Women's Epi mm-hmm. uh, in our last episode, yep. which I did, uh-huh. followed your recommendation, and to my surprise and delight, two English voices providing the commentary. That's right. Uh, Rob Cauldron. Uh-huh. And Mary Cohen, I think it was. And Mary Cohen, that's yeah. right, yeah. And I thought it was great. It was, yeah. Thoroughly insightful, intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, witty. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was good. It was yeah. from commentary. Yeah, um, Rob Codron's really good. Uh, and Mary was on the ball, I think, all the way through it. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, I've, I've heard Rob doing commentary before at British Championships and I think the UK School Games. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, a really, you know, smart, insightful yeah. uh, commentator. Mm-hmm. Beautiful modulated voice, you know. Yeah. With, with him and Mary doing the, doing the commentary for Barcelona, you, you couldn't choose two more... Thoroughly British sounding commentary. Well, that's, that is definitely one way of looking at it. You could be sipping, yeah. sipping some gin, <laughs> the, you know, wearing Indeed. a Panama hat, you know. Yeah, really good stuff. So I just thought I would mention that because yeah. you know we're we're quick to criticise commentators when we don't like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But Zimmerman, Long, and Bacants and Cohen and Codron are of all get the thumbs up from me anyway. Oh, excellent! This and that's something we I, I, I quite like this idea of bringing in. Uh, experienced fencers to talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think it really adds something to the, the commentary. Yep. Yeah, it definitely does. So that's me being talking for absolutely ages about yeah. foil, My and, turn. foil and sabre stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to have a rest, Gav, while you tell me about what's what was happening in Budapest. Yeah, well, obviously, we, we, we did think about going to Budapest this year, but it didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, couldn't. Well, basically, the reason I 
I didn't go and I didn't really watch any until I got back and I've only really had time to watch mm-hmm. a little bit. It's because I was in Poland at the Challenge Vratislavia in Wroclaw, which is an absolutely massive... Um, hundreds of kids. Hundreds. Kids, kids competition, yeah, yeah. For up, from under-11s up to under-15s. Mm-hmm. All six weapons spread out of five days, uh, just hundreds and hundreds of fencers crammed into a hole, which is why I have a bit of a cold, I think. It's been... Yeah, you know, giant sports hall full of hundreds and hundreds of kids. It's just like germ, yeah. germ soup. Exactly. They're, they're what snot factories. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if I die during the course of the recording, um, <laughs> that's that's why because it's, it's not just a cold; it's man flu, obviously. And yeah. That be, yeah. That can be fatal. Right. So I think I was actually thinking about this on the way up, and I think did we not start this podcast talking about Budapest? Was it certainly one of our early ones? We did talk about it. Uh, no, was it not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't because the first one we did was after the after the Olympics. Uh, yeah, you're and right. Then Budapest is pretty much Before always it. in March. Yeah, I was, try- I was trying to remember why because uh, Cocky Can was making an appearance of this one as well, uh-huh. and Cocky Can, I remember, had a run. It must have been two years ago. I don't like he was going to win the tournament and got put out at the last second. He just had ran out of steam. Right. If we we're talking about two years ago, then we may well have talked about it. Mm-hmm. And you may have been quite delighted at the prospect of a young Japanese fencer yeah. <laughs> making a mark and things. But it was before we were talking about it for the podcast. Oh, right, okay. Uh, this, this, is what, this is what happens you don't have any sleep. Anyway. <laughs> it does show your consistent enthusiasm for Japanese fencing. Yeah. I'm not as fickle as you sometimes uh, say I am. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see about this actually quite shortly. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, so shall we get on with this? Uh, mm. Let's start with the, the women's epi. It was a big event, obviously. Uh, I noticed that there are now memorial events. The men's is Imre Vass uh, in memoriam because he died recently. And I can't remember what the, the women's one The women's one also is dedicated to another Hungarian fence who died recently. And, you know, obviously Budapest is one of the, the big events, the big World Cup, so Grand Prix as it is now. And, you know, there's, in the women's is 230-ish yeah. uh, sort of uh, epius turning up at that, which makes it chunky, you know, really big. Out in the 64, Sun Yuen, who went out at 35th. And then down into the 32s, we had uh, Kravitska went out, finishing at, this, uh, finishing at the 17th. And Zhu also went out in the in the 32 as well. So it, it feels like you're not having a great day if you're China. And, you know, if you're maybe East, Eastern European, maybe it wasn't wasn't so good. As we move into the 16, uh, Zhashkovich went out. Right. Yeah, she she finished uh, ninth this year, and then uh, Anna Maria Popescu, formerly Branson, went out mm-hmm. in the sixteen as well. Zhashko, uh, which went out to Giulia Rizzi of Italy, and got an absolute thumping, fifteen eight. Oh wow! So into, that left us actually in the in the last day with some quite nice sort of matchups. We had Giulia uh, Rizzi against a French fencer called Candasami. Oh, oh yes, yeah, kind of tall. Willowy. Yes, that's right. Big long lunge. That's right. She did a she did a promo video for the French Federation a couple of months ago. Uh, that was quite a close match, actually. Uh, not the most exciting, but it was actually quite close. Finished fifteen fourteen. Okay. Okay. Our next last eight uh, with uh, Candace Sammy going through. So a little bit of a surprise there, I thought. But I think with uh, Jacques Kovac going through, uh, Ritzy being the unknown element there, it's allowed uh, Candace Sammy to actually make it through. Our next one in last eight is uh, Mara Navaria of Italy, up against Erika Kirpu of uh, Estonia. And uh, Navaria, another another comfortable victory at 15-8. Uh, 
And then this is when we start to get to this. I was saying, you know, if you were Chinese, maybe you're thinking, you know, the Chinese team, you're thinking it's, mm, it's not yeah, particularly great, great day. Uh, we have a first, a first lone Korean uh, appearing here in the last day, and it's Choi, who's uh, one of my preferred uh, women's EPS at the Korean, because she's quite exciting to watch. Yeah. Uh, she went up against someone called uh, Lin Sheng of China. Ever heard of her? No. Okay, so let's give you some fun facts about Lin Sheng. Oh, excellent. Uh, well, she's like some fun facts. Yeah, fun facts. Okay. So she's 24. And going into this particular tournament, uh, she was number 257-ish. Okay. Right? She has had some some event, some some points here and there in the past. Her last best result was a last day in Doha in 2014 and Nanjing in 2015. Okay. But no other results to speak of. Uh, she has had the uh, had occasional last 16. So she's went into this tournament... Uh, essentially is an un- almost unranked yeah. and almost unknown fencer, uh, has made the last day and then beats Choi 10-9. And uh, Lin Cheng is a very interesting fencer. I don't know if I want to go into the details right now, but this is epi, right? Everyone gets their day in the sun, and I'm always a little bit reluctant to say that this might be the next great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we've been here before and I said, oh, I love this fencer and they've just never seen them again. But uh, but I, I've got a, a slightly quietly comfortable saying that I think uh, Lin Cheng might actually be a really interesting fencer in the future. It's a real deal. Yeah. She's uh, She's got a really nice style and she's, the way I would describe it is, is, is French, a modern French epi style. Uh-huh. So she's quite uh, athletic. She moves around really well. She is able to judge the distance and the timing really, really well. She sets up the hits very well and she hits when she when she needs to hit. Right. You know, some of, so, there's sort of a, women's epi is sort of a, sort of a cliche saying it's, it's kind of passive and they've been encouraged not to fence because mm-hmm. the, the risk of being hit is too high. Uh, Lin, Lin Cheng doesn't really have this issue. She, she's quite willing to hit people. Right. Uh, and her coach is listed as uh, Daniel Levavasseur of oh, France. Yeah, yeah. So he's obviously part of uh, Aubrey's coaching team down there in China. Uh, He's been in China longer. He's been in China oh, for, for a long time. Yeah. Right. But anyway, she lists him as being uh, her coach. Uh, and on the way up, uh, she beat someone called uh, Vi from the US. Uh, she put out Zoo of China and Zamachowski as well right. of, well, I guess, Russian fencer. So that was, a, so th- th- this is actually, it's not the most exciting of fights, but it's, a, it's interesting because uh, someone unknown just suddenly appeared and went through. And then in the last, last day, uh, I was going to mention this one as well. We had uh, Pesco went up against uh, even Nellop. Okay. Okay. So Nellop's, uh, what? She must be fifth fifth in the world, roughly, at the moment. Something like that. Uh, top eight, I think. So it's comfortably in the top ten, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this isn't the most exciting of fights. Okay. Uh, it finishes 8-7 uh, with uh, Nellop easing it through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> against Branza. Uh, sorry, Popescu. Uh, I was a little bit surprised uh, Anna's quite a good fencer, and I really like the way that the, the Romanians fence. They, mm-hmm. they, they tend to be sort of kind of aggressive, not always, not always sort of playing into the cliches. But this time, not not the best of matches. Right. Anyway, move swiftly on. Move swiftly yeah. on into the semi-finals. So we've got these two matchups. We've got uh, she must be what the third the third stringer in the in the French team, I think at the moment. Candesame, maybe the fourth. Not sure. Exactly. Not sure. I'd have yeah. to double check that one up against uh, Mara Navaria. Uh, it's actually quite a good fight. It's quite close. It's contested. I can't remember if top of my hand there's any passivity. So obviously, uh, I wasn't bored all the way through it. Yeah. So it was, a, it was, a, but it was good, right? It went to time, uh, right at the end there, okay. uh, and it finishes 14 13, okay, with, uh, Mara edging out Kandasami. But it was, it's actually quite good and they did definitely contest it. Yeah. The other fight though, 
between uh, Lin Sheng and uh, even Elp is definitely worth checking out. I, I did watch this. I mean, I, I, yeah. I see, I'd, I'd not watched terribly much of Budapest, but I did, yeah. I did catch up on this one. So, on, kind of on your recommendations. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, Eva, we've known about Eva for a while. She's a really, really great fencer. I, I wouldn't, she, she can certainly turn on the gas whenever she needs to, yeah. but she came up against uh, Lin Sheng. And as I said, I think, I think it's quite, she's, I think Lin Sheng is, very interesting fencer, and Lynn just made Eva, Eva looked a little bit amateurish. Yeah. She just consistently could hit her. She was hitting her on the prep, she was attacking well, she was setting up the attacks so that, uh, and Eva was always, you watch this yourself, Eva mm-hmm. was always buying these, buying these sort of, uh, really lovely sort of, uh, attacks into the arm and forcing Eva to do something off it. She just couldn't read her at all. Yeah, would hit, hit her once to arm, turn to the arm, drop and hit to foot. Yeah, it was lovely. She would twitch. Even now it would, would yeah. drop her point, be hit her in the arm again. It's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. And you're just being played here. Uh, and it was comfortable for Lin Cheng, yeah. but still vastly entertaining. You could tell that, uh, Eva was getting increasingly frustrated throughout the, the entire map. But, and, and sometimes when you go that way, you get a bit frustrated. You just think, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing only harder. Harder and faster. Harder yeah. and faster. And that's exactly the solution, but yeah. Yeah. And that was the, the route that Eva took. And unfortunately for, uh, for Lin Cheng, I suspect it, it took a toll, and there was, a, there was a couple of pauses while she sorted her arm out after you know heavy guard clashes and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Lin Cheng beat that uh, beat uh, Nell up fifteen uh, eight. Yeah. Okay, and that gives it gives us a final, which is sort of quite interesting on paper because you've got uh, Mara Navari versus this relatively unknown uh, Lin Cheng, and it didn't sort of strike me until I was sort of I was sort of watching this, and Navari's really quite a powerfully built fencer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not, I not terribly tall, but she's, she's not tall, but she's quick, aggressive, and she's built really well, you know. Yeah. So I was kind of, I was kind of hoping for a a real clash, a real contest here, but unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't really amount to that. What fencing there was was actually quite exciting, but it was obvious that Lynn was struggling a little bit with the, the hits to the arm that she just had from Nella. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, we had a couple of calls for passivity. They kind of eased it out into the last oh, minute. I've got to remind you of this, because somebody pointed out to me, it's non-combativity. Oh. Stop calling it passivity. Sorry. <laughs> old, old habits lie hard. There's a couple. Of, your age. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple. There's a couple of. There's a couple of calls for non-combativity. They ease it out into the last minute. They get some priority. And it finishes 5-4. And... It, Considering the sort of the, the the quality of the semi-finals, it's a little bit of a damp squib, but you know, on balance, it wasn't unexpected considering what uh, Lynn had just come through. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, well it made worth sense it for her. I mean, yeah. she she had clearly been a bit beaten up. She looked in a lot of trouble with her, her shoulder at the end of the semi-final. Yeah, it, it shouldn't uh, you look- should understand why she didn't want to get into a a serious scrap for nine minutes. No, exactly. And she didn't look like she was able to to pull out the nice. Uh, preparations that she'd been doing in the previous matches where she could set something up and work from it. She did, she clearly couldn't do it. So. Yeah, it is sort of one of those occasions where you, you take the gamble with the high risk of, you know, we'll, we'll take it down to uh, a priority minute. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, so, so, so I think it was actually quite a good, quite a good, quite, quite a good sort of semi final and finals actually for the, for the women's epi, a bit yep. of best. And that takes, uh, that takes Navari up to, Third in the FIE rankings now as well. Oh, okay. No, so she's yeah, quite, so she's doing quite well. Consistency, yeah, yeah. And so we get on to the the men's epi now uh, again because this is obviously a Grand Prix and it's absolutely gigantic. A grand total of two hundred and eighty eight fencers. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you consider the for the Grand Prix, uh, there's a a limit on the entry numbers from each country to only a maximum eight per country. That's right. It's twelve for the uh, for the World Cups mm-hmm. to get nearly as many as. The, uh, as there were at Heidenheim, mm-hmm. it's a World Cup. Um, for this is 
It's a huge turnout. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's everyone, their dog, their cats, their grannies, everyone's there. Literally yeah. everyone's there. Um, so some of our, our, our early leavers, uh, in this particular one, uh, down there in the, uh, down there in the 64, we've got Benny Stephan. Right. He went out early. Uh, Andrus Redley went out there as well in the 64. And Kur- Kurbanov of, uh, Russia as well. Oh no, Kurbanov is. Oh no, he's not. He's, uh. Oh, where's he from again? Kazakhstan. That's the one. It's yes. just come back to me, Kazakhstan. Yep, well done. Oh, uh, also uh, out then as well was uh, Santarelli of Italy and Quion of uh-huh. uh, Korea. So, a bit of a sad moment for me there, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, sort of in, in, uh, in, in our, in our next kind of, uh, in our next bout, in the 32, uh, our, our next fit offences that left were, which I'm, again, a little bit, shall we say, sad about. <laughs> uh, uh, Park, Korea. All right. Uh, oh, which one? Uh, both of them. Both, oh, both of them. And park. Oh, we just park and park, park, park Squared went out in 32. Kim, yeah. Kim and Kim gag from earlier. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, well. yeah. And then on top of that, Yannick went out as well in the 32. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't make it into the 16 this time around. And also our, uh, our, our, our man, Mr. Heart Attack, uh, Marco <laughs> Ficera, uh, he, he went out then as well. I'm kind of relieved. Yeah. But, uh, but in other news, you know, Bass for a while and he made it into the 16. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he's still kicking around. And then in terms of our, our we're getting into the sort of the latter stages now, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, okay? But uh, fences who did not make it into the last eight included Gascon Lamardo, Goro- uh, the other Gorozzo, Jensen Jung, Cocky Cano, who was still there in the latter stages, and oh, sorry, that's the, and that's the last one I wanted to do. Oh, Manobi, that was the one I was trying to remember. Okay, so our last eight matchup are uh, Bogdan Lekishin up against Alex Fava of France. Will I say it now or will I save it for later? Who? Yeah, so shall we have some Fava facts? Yes, please. Fa- I called it Fava Fun Facts. Oh, in my notes here. even better. Yeah. So I had to look up Alex Fava because I hadn't hadn't entered into my sort of sphere before. I hadn't really sort of been paying attention to him. And will we talk about his fencing style first of all? Um, yeah, because it's something you mentioned when you were yeah. talking about him. I described him initially on. as Francis Max Heinzer. Yeah. But I think I was being a bit unfair. Okay. To who? Uh, to Alex, I think. Okay. I think, I think there's only ever going to be one Max Heinzer. Do you know what I mean? It's not just because he's my... <laughs> Turn that into a song. Yeah, yeah. But Alex Faber does have that kind of energetic way about him that Max has. Right. But he... So I went back and I rewatched some of these fights. Mm-hmm. And what what I had misread it. He actually looks more like, a tr- like the sort of the modern French foil team. So his style, to me, reminded me much more of someone like Irwin. He has a sort of upright... On his, on his toes, moving okay. backwards and forwards. He doesn't have that kind of, uh, he doesn't have the same showiness of Heinzer. Okay. Uh-huh. So my mistake but was sort of fairly high intensity, lot high intensity, lots of movements, lots of press on the blade. Work, yeah. Yeah. And my mistake was reading that as a Max Heinzer style, but okay. there is really only one Max. But, uh, so, uh, so we've got Alex here up against, against the cushion. And who do you think Alex Fava put out to get here? Yannick. Well, okay. No. Let me let me just run you through the people he put out on the way up to make here. He put out Andres Redley. Right. He put out Glaskov. Right. And then he puts out Minobi. Okay. Arrives into the last eight and has to put out Bogdan Lekishin. So in Redley and Minobi, he's put out two of this season's World Cup winners. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad going. Not it? bad going. And I've got to say, um, n- never met the guy before, never seen the guy before, wasn't really aware of him. Looked amazing, right? right. Absolutely amazing. Beats Lekishin 15-10. Okay, and that's that's not easy to do. Um, in our next last eight, we've got well, 
my guy, Cocky Cano, <laughs> up against uh, Jonathan Bonner, who's the other, another, another one of the, the yeah, lower... I just want to show you there. Okay, so Minobi's your guy. Yep. Uh, Max is your guy. Yep. Cano's your guy. Uh-huh. All the Koreans are your guys. Yep. Yannick's your guy? Yannick's my guy. I get so around a lot. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I get around a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not just suggesting you're sort of trying to, you know... Cut your roads by having almost anybody that could win being being your guy. Well, okay. When I see my guy, what I mean is he's Japanese, and I yeah. just love that. I, I was talking down the fencer about this about why I love the Japanese fencers so much, and he kind of put the nail on the head of it in a, in a, in a way that I hadn't. I put nail in it in a way that I hadn't really sort of. My, there's a lot of personality in the Japanese men's epi team. Yeah, that's true. They're all they're all quite individual in the way they fence. The Koreans are maybe a bit more regimented in the way they fence. They, they're all a lot of variety in their styles, though. Yeah, but the high work rate. You couldn't say yeah. that Uyama and Kokikano come from the same school. It would be hard no, to say that. True. If you yeah. if didn't know they were both Japanese, they're so different. Yeah. They're so unbelievably different. It's not just because one's really, really tall and uses a French group and the other one's really short and uses an orthopedic. It's, there's much more to than that. You don't see the same sort of patterns of framework and stuff like that. Anyway, so, so we've got uh, Koki's doing another, he's obviously Budapest is his event, done another run up the rankings, uh, makes it into the last eight. He's come up against Jonathan Bonaire. Have you ever heard of him? I have very vaguely. Yeah, but he, it's not a name that, you know, he puts out Park in the first, uh, oh, the first World Cup. He was the one I said the French yeah, had done yeah. the homework. It was Bonner. Uh, Bonner is interesting because he's about seven foot tall, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cocky Cano is about the size of a nine year old. He's, yeah. he's, I've met him. He's tiny, right? So anyway, it was really close. Not the most exciting of fights. It's, uh, I deliberately watched this one a couple of times. Uh, it's hit for hit literally all the way through it. Cock occasionally goes in front. He just can't hit the guy. The guy's got arms that were longer than, I don't know, the Nile. They're really long. Right. Uh, and eventually, Jonathan just finishes it off, 15-14. All right. The na- next last day is uh, Marco uh, Brinkman of Germany, which I think might be the first German in a while to, to make it into the latter stages. I can't think of the last time. I might, I might have mentioned one and just not, just forgotten about it, but... Can't think of the last no, time. Of. Um, I've not really looked into Marco, if I'm honest with you, and I haven't had a chance to watch this particular fight, so I can't really say very much about it. Right. But he went. Up, he came up against um, Sergey Kulos, who's. <sighs> I always describe him as being the sort of the most workmanlike of the Russians. He's a plodder. Yeah, yeah. He's got a very definite things he's going to do. Yeah. This is. I'm. I'm Sergey. I'm going to do these things. That's. Yeah. That's the way he is. It's not exciting. So. No. Uh, and he edges out uh, Marco fifteen fourteen. Okay. And then and the, and the next last date. Uh, we've got uh, Novozhilov up against Max Heinzer. That should be a beauty. Uh, it's actually a really good fight. Uh, Max Max was, was unbelievably on form, actually, that day. And he does edge out Novozhilov 15-12. Max was... I don't know how you describe this. He, he Sometimes Max puts too much effort into a game, right? Yeah. Right? And he blows it too early on. That actually happened... That looked like it was actually on... On the, on the go here because Novozhilov looked like he was going to take it a couple of times but he just never couldn't finish him off right. Max stayed in, stayed in it once he calmed himself down it was all much more in control for him yeah. and he he ran out 15-12 what, you do, what that score doesn't that makes it look comfortable mm-hmm. but that doesn't tell you that Max came back from being behind quite severely at one point I think it was about 2 or 3 points at one point right, and okay. looked like uh, Novozhilov was going to take him but he didn't Okay, it's quite a good fight I'd, I'd actually watch it in fact just about all of these are quite good fights that I saw, right? Yeah. So I've seen all of these, apart from that one with uh, Brinkman. I've right. seen all of these. They're all well worth your time. Probably the least exciting one, actually, was the Cano versus Bonaire, because it's interesting if you're a pure epiest, but, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So our semi-final matchups... You're really determined. 
Yeah, so our semi-final matchups are Fava versus Bonaire and uh, Kudos versus Heinzer. So Fava versus Bonaire, it's two guys from the same team. We've been here before with uh, the Koreans yeah. where they just don't want a fence. None of that here, right? Fava and Bonaire are on the piece. They want Clearly, they, someone has told them Somebody has to win, so just get out there and do it, okay? Mm-hmm. And they just go go for it, hammer and tongs. It's really, really good. They trade the they trade points. You know, it's always one or two points in it. The lead lead goes, the lead comes in. Uh, Bonaire is seven foot tall, yeah. right? Fava is probably shorter than me, right. okay? So I'm about six foot, but I reckon he's maybe 5'10", 5'11", yeah. but he does look like a midget compared to Bonaire. Yeah. Uh, not as much <laughs> as uh, Cocky does. Cocky looks like like a child, yeah, like sort of scrabbling around about his ankles. But Alex does look considerably small. It's a David and Goliath moment. Yeah. Uh, and Alex is really, the way that he worked it was really interesting. There was lots of kind of uh, attacks on the blade and that kind of, remember I said he was like a foilist. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's kind, of, kind of quite upright. He sets up the timing very well. He comes in, he would usually do something aggressive on the blade. Bonaire would maybe bite on it or try to get out of the way and all of a sudden the flesh would come out, a lunge, right. something like that. Uh, very, 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 it's really nip and tuck and it's really tense and it doesn't really finish until the very last second. In fact, I remember correctly, it goes to time, in fact. Okay. Right? So it's 15-14. It's well worth your time. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so our other... We're going to have recommendations. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it's, a good one. Got, I'm, I'm developing quite a long list, actually, just from... Yeah. That one, that, that's a, that's a quality fight. That's a, yeah. In uh, our other semi-final, we've got uh, Kudos versus Heinzer. So we've got Plauder versus somebody that can't hold himself, to get, hold himself in. They have to go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a bit unfair to Max, probably, because he is a smart fencer when he, when he wants to be. Yeah. But... Max just comfortably disposes of him. Sergey's going to do what Sergey's going to do, but it's not good enough uh, yeah. today. Max is on form, he's on fire. Max sets it all up. He just comes in, tacks him on the blade, fleshes him, beats the blade out of the way, all the stuff you see Max doing. Uh, it's actually not the most exciting of him because it's so one-sided. All right, okay. Uh, but, you know, if you, if what you want to see is a greatest hits compilation of what Max can do, there's a fight for you because yeah. it literally is. <laughs> every all, tool that Max has. crammed in. Yeah, uh, and that sets us up with a nice final. We've got this uh, relatively unknown French fencer called Alex Fava versus our man Max, my, my man Max. Your man. My man no Max, yeah. <laughs> it's a cracking final. It's not quite of the same quality as the semi-final that Alex had to go through. Because they're both very energetic and very aggressive fencers, there is a lot of movement on the piste. Yeah. There's a lot of setting these, the, the hits up. Um, Max is, again, sometimes he, I think he overcooks it sometimes. Tries a little bit too hard to do a flashy move. You'll, you know, you'll, you know what he's like. Yeah. Comes in, puts his hand high, goes, finishes low, but it's really big and all that kind of stuff. There's a bit of that going on. Uh, Alex is a lot more considered, so he's floating backwards and forwards, trying to get the blade, trying to contain sort of this force of nature in front of him, and it gets close quite, a, quite a lot, uh, but can't quite get it over the line. And Max just holds it together. It goes to time. Uh, it goes to time, but it's the it's the gold minute. It's not one hit. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it goes to time, and then uh, Max just manages to get a hit. The score was quite. Score was quite high. It was quite close to finish at that point. Yeah, it was. It was thirteen all going into. Yeah, it. yeah. I think there, there might be a call for non combativity, but again, I was enjoying it, so I didn't even pay any attention. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to complain about it. So we get into the we get into the last minute. They do the they, they do the goal they do the minute, but Max's last hit. I'm convinced he didn't know he would got it. Just look at the express. Uh, go back and watch and look at his face. You see, you see the, hit, the one that come up. Yeah. Max looks at the looks at the clock, looks at the referee, looks at the opponent, and then goes, "Yes, you know, sort of thing." I'm convinced it was an accident, but hey, Max won, and yeah. I'm a happy man. <laughs> so, 
your man wins. My man wins. <laughs> Finally, after all this time of saying, Max is, Max is the guy, he should be winning more stuff. Max actually wins something. Yeah. Well, actually, in the time that, well, what, in the year and a half coming up for two years that we've been doing the podcast, this is the second time that, that Max has won. Because he won in Vancouver. That's right. Uh, last, last season. That's right. Actually, this is actually quite a, a timely win for him because, um, I noticed, you know, when I was, not watching little people fencing in Poland at the weekend. I did. I did keep an eye on the the scores happening in in Budapest, and I noticed that Max was only fifteenth seed. Mm-hmm. So if he had had a disastrous weekend in Budapest, yeah. he may have dropped out of the top sixteen, and that makes life very very hard for you. Yeah, especially Epi because anything can really happen. Yeah, I mean, you you've got people you know beating each other to death in the pools. Because you've got huge numbers, you've got a whole potentially a whole load of uh, preliminary D fights to get through just mm-hmm. to get to the last sixty-four, and it just makes your your weekend yep. very very hard work. But this result actually takes him back up to fifth. That's right, yeah, in the world rankings. Yeah, so, um, so the difference between first and sixteenth in the world rankings, men's epi, is not that huge simply because so many people can get yeah get results. That's a bit of a shame for you. I mean, like you're talking about that as well. I mean, Yannick won't, won't fall through, but we, we said we said last year that Yannick was a, a model of consistency. Yeah. You know, but not this year. It's not yeah, quite it's been, been working for him this year. Yeah. Yeah. So just to sort of close off in our sort of Alex Faber chat, he, he started the season at 133. Okay. He went into yeah. this tournament round about 90. I can't remember exactly what it was. Something around about that. Yeah. He must have been the fifth man on the, in the French team, maybe even the sixth. I think Bonaire is higher than him. I'm yes, not I'm sure. I'd have sure to double check be. that, but he's really low in the pecking order. Yeah, I'm not even sure he would have been as high as fifth or sixth. Yeah, I was thinking seventh or eighth. Yeah, so he's he's going to get a comfortable little sort of dink up in the up in his ranking as a result of yeah, that. Exactly. And I must put him in contention. And I think his ranking is now 29th. That's going to put him close to the team. Yep. So and I, I'm not uh, and as I say, he's he's 28. So he's been around for a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you know, Epi, you get a bit of longevity in that. But he did look really good. I was a bit surprised that I hadn't seen him before. And as I said, when I said to him, oh, look, fans have found a Max Heinzer. It's a yeah. bit unfair. It's more like, oh, look, this guy looks a bit like the Bushu, only with an Epi in his hand. Yeah. So <laughs> so there we go. And that essentially is uh, is the, the Budapest Grand Prix. That was Budapest. That no? yeah. sounds, sounds pretty good. And as I say, I watched a few bits and pieces of it, but mostly, mostly just the finals and the... Lynn Nellip women's semi-final. So I'll yeah. go back and watch a bit more of that because that sounds, that does sound pretty good. It was good, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's all the action covered. The other thing that's been going on were the various zonal cadet junior championships. Mm-hmm. I've watched a bit of the European ones, but not, not an absolute ton. Okay. Catch any of the, the stuff that was going on there? I knew it was happening, but no, I didn't. You didn't. Okay. Didn't, didn't um, a few, a few results that I want to mention, um, none of them by the sort of established superstar nations who do tend to dominate these things, probably mm-hmm. even more so than they do in the, the senior championships. But silver medal for Ian Wren of Great Britain in the Cadet Men's Sabre. It's a, oh. a tremendous performance. A couple of other ones from, well, sort of friends of ours, if you like. In the Cadet Men's Foil, uh, Jonas winterberg Poulsen of Denmark. Took second place and just narrowly missed out. A uh, really good final that actually. I would I would highly recommend. Okay. That if you want to pick out, um, you know, a sort of selected mm-hmm. minimalist highlights from yeah. uh, the European cadets and Daniel Giacon of the Netherlands, uh, who we mentioned 
when we were uh, in Paris for the Challenge Internationally, put Alex Masayalis in the last 64. That's right, yeah. Uh, and I'd failed to spot that he was actually very young. And one of our uh, one of our Dutch listeners got in touch to say, oh, well, you know, you mentioned bright young things who who made a you know a good dent in the competition in in Paris, but you'd, you'd fail to pick out that. Oh yes, Giacon uh-huh. was uh, a youngster as well, so uh, he took third place in the, the junior men's foil as well. So okay. backing up his taking the big scalp of of Massialis with you know, another another good performance at the. You would automatically think about the Dutch as as a. As a Potential medal-winning kind of nation in fencing, would you? Well, not usually. I mean, they've got Bas Pavilion still still kicking about. Uh, but I did, I did make that comment. He's still uh-huh. kicking around. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're not a big fencing nation. Yeah, I would say what, similar to Britain in terms of its. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's kind of place in the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a potential potential bright young thing in mm-hmm. in Daniel Giacon. So that was that was good having having found out a bit more about him. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the sort of thing that you know that I love getting as a message through. Through Facebook or email, yeah, it's, you know, here's here's more information about something that you, you perhaps didn't know that much mm-hmm. about. So yes, yeah, so that was good. But other than that, I I didn't watch a, a vast amount right. of the. Uh, I was sort of aware of it because there was a lot of chat about it on things like Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd seen it, but I hadn't had a, a chance to check it out. So things are coming up, as I mentioned, because we're recording on a on a Friday evening. Mm-hmm. The Seoul Sabre Grand Prix has just about started, and the couple of bits of news from that already. Is Marielle Zagunas returns? Hooray! Yeah, making her first outing since uh, since giving birth. Mm-hmm. I think exactly a year on from her her last competition. I think so was the last one that she did before. All right, okay. Uh, she started her her maternity leave, <laughs> um, and because of the time difference, I know that she safely negotiated her pool, won her preliminary D fight, and is into the last sixty four. Okay, uh, for Sunday where she'll fence. Uh, Irina Vecchi of Italy. Ooh, that's tasty. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that either of them will be particularly happy with that draw, mm. um, but it'll be interesting to see how she gets on. And again, I can do a, a bit of an advanced Irigo watch for for this one. And not a great weekend for for Ariana so far with this one. She only won two pool fights, so just just made the cut and no more. But does progress to the last 64, but as one of the loose seeds. So she will fence Anna Marton in the last 64. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, although, to be fair, she has been Anna Marton before, so know, it's not, yeah. uh, not an impossible draw right, for okay. her. So that'll be interesting. And the World Cadets and Juniors start in Verona on the 1st of April. That's right. Just a, a couple of days' time from, from now. So I'll be far more attentive in watching the, the World Cadets and Juniors. Yes. And our, our next episode will have... Me too, actually. Much, I, more, much more coverage of our... Where was it last time? Where was the juniors last time? Junior and cadets. Oh no, it was another European one. Was it? Uh, all, was it another one where I made the comment that why are they all fencing in a car park? No, <laughs> no, where was it? That's really <laughs> going to annoy me now. Um, but actually, the car park one because it was held in the same place. The European cadets and juniors. That's right. Last year yeah, yeah. Were held the same same city as the world. Yeah, but cadets it was a different venue. The European one did appear to be hold, held in a car park, mm-hmm. but the actual world cadets and juniors last year. Looked like it was held in the proper sports right, centre, okay. so that was that was much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, we're, I mean, we, we said this said this last year. Go and watch the World Cadets and Juniors because that is where you will see. Yeah, I'm going to watch next it. superstars. Yeah, I'm going to definitely be checking out for obviously for the epi mostly, but yeah, yeah, yeah there's there's a whole load of fencing there, mm-hmm. and well worth catching as much of it as you possibly can. Yep. So our coolest fencer on the planet, loads to choose from. 
Absolutely tons. Yep. Okay, so shortlist that I've gone for Ibadan, mm-hmm. winning his home Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. Derek Lasova, winning mm-hmm. another Grand Prix, being miles ahead of everybody else. Yep. Goo, World well, Cup the, winning the season. The only problem I've got with Derek Lasova and Goo, it's kind of the expected. Does that make okay. them cool? They're so powerful and, you know, on, on their game that. Is it cool? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bianca Pascu for uh, a Maiden World Cup win and a you know elite blooming star. Yeah, sure. Okay. Lisa Pushtai mm-hmm. as a superstar in the making mm-hmm. and a kid making a senior World Cup final. Mm-hmm. Lynn mm-hmm. for her out of nowhere, out of nowhere looked looked really good final uh, yeah. a Grand Prix. Uh, Navaria for the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Max. Or Max. Yes. Or Max. Yeah. Okay. So, by the way, this is Max's 10th World Cup. Yeah, World, World Cup or Grand Prix. Yeah, over win. his entire career. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty good thing. And remember, oh, he's just become recently become a father as well. That's right, yeah. So I suspect that what, he's, <laughs> what his weekend just consisted of is get to the competition on Thursday, sleep for Friday and Saturday, then mm-hmm. Sunday, and feel so refreshed having two days of sleep yeah. that you win. And I can certainly sympathise with yeah, that too. I'm going, going through a bit of that at the moment. So I, I suspect that would have been his. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that's me off now. Yeah. Have fun with the baby. Oh, can't wait to get to sleep. Oh, I, get should, to do, I get to do some fencing as well. Yeah, I'd like to ch- chuck uh, uh, Fava on the list as well. Okay. Because again, in the same way that Lynn came out of nowhere, Fa- Fava feels like he's came out, even though he's been around longer, feels mm-hmm. like he's came out of nowhere and, and did look really, really good. Yeah. Kind of, I don't understand why I've never came across this guy before. Good, you know. Yeah, but you know, in EPN, you can well, have. I mean, you, you just sort of say this earlier on, though, that you've kind of got to back up one amazing result where you look immense with another one or two before. It's true. Before it's it, true. You really preview. Whereas Lynn's young still. She's yeah. Just turned twenty-four. She's only she's she's only been competing for. I think it, I think since she was she, actually since she was nineteen in the seniors, yeah. but not as regularly, but not everything. Yeah, yeah. So this is like a she's only started to really ramp up at the moment. So she's obviously the Chinese team feel that she's matured. Anyway, sorry. So who are we going to have? Well, I th- I kind of talked to Derek Lasova last time round. Okay, I'm uh, saying which you were kind of prepared to go with. Uh huh. The last time that Max Heinzer won something. I think I managed to talk you out of choosing him as coolest fencer <laughs> on the planet. Um, that was Vancouver. Yes. Yeah. To, to go for, uh, junior, uh, Renard, Rachel Vinnett. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, who'd finished second behind yeah. Max at yeah. Vancouver last year. But that was much cooler. Yeah. And, and yeah, I can make a, a case for, for all of them. Uh, I thought Imogen's fencing looked absolutely immense. Mm-hmm. Um, return to form and, potentially. And for that as alone. Well. Yep. But, I'm actually going to have to go with you this time and say Max Heiser finally, yeah, for me, would be my my vote for coolest fencer on the planet. <laughs> yes. And he did look really good. I mean, I'm not, not kidding. Yeah. He looked really good. Go and have a look, have a look at his other bouts. Yeah. He did actually look really good in the day. So, yes. Okay. Love you, Max. You're happy now. I am happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Right. <laughs> That's going to rule him out of winning for yeah. ages and ages now. Yeah. Right. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I don't think so. We feel like we've been talking for ages and ages. Yeah. And good. before I die of this cold, I need to go and have a lie down. Cool. Excellent. So, till next time. Uh, 
before we before we say goodbye, let's oh. just remind everybody. We'd oh, yes. like to hear from you. Yes, okay. please, please get in touch because, well, it's nice to know that people are actually listening. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to tell us what you think, give us your ideas, give us information mm-hmm. that we've perhaps suggested we should know, but clearly don't. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah, it's obviously fence, yeah. So we're obviously on Facebook. You can find us at the Fencing Podcast. Uh, leave us a nice comment in iTunes as well. That'd be lovely. I think I think we're going to have to have a bit of a social media blitz this year and go right. Come on, go on. Oh yes, that's one other thing. You know, you know our appeal for give us a cool hashtag. Yeah, to help us become social media. Did we get any? No, nothing. Yeah, I never got anything on Twitter either. So. <laughs> that's rubbish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that would be lovely. Give us another hashtag. Uh, we'll just keep that keep that one open. Yeah. I, norm- I normally man the Twitter the, the Twitter desk. Mm-hmm. So if you give me a good hashtag, I'll give you some good uh, GIF reaction. How about that? <laughs> uh, the French are usually up for that. The French are usually up French for Federation that. French Federation will give you give you something in that yeah. case. Yeah, they're really good at their gift. A, uh, a good gift reply. Yeah, uh, and obviously email us at thefencingpodcast at gmail dot com. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, goodbye from me. And yeah, goodbye from me as well. See you soon. Mm-hmm.